Hello and welcome to Views from the Market, mid-market private equity and M&A in Canada. My name is Mario Negro and I'm a partner in the private equity and M&A group at Steichman Elliott. For today's podcast, I'd like to welcome Jan Simon. Jan is the managing partner of Onzio Capital. Jan, welcome and thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Mario. Yeah, and there's a lot to talk about. We probably don't have enough time to even touch on the surface on the things we could talk about. So I'm excited to get right in there. But before we do that, you know, we always start by asking our guests to tell us a little bit about themselves. And in your case, a little bit about Vonzio Capital. So I'll start there. Sure. Thanks for that, Mario. Where do I start? Maybe professionally. This is kind of my fourth take. So I spent about four years in the Special Forces. Then I spent about decade, decade and a half in investment banking on the investment side, working mainly for American investment banks. And then I got into academe, been teaching for the last 22 years now already, mainly finance entrepreneurship, mainly in the space with the focus on search funds and entrepreneurial acquisitions. And as you pointed out, I'm a managing partner at Vonzio Capital, which was the first fund actually structure outside the United States previously. I had been a special advisor to Pacific Lake, which is a well-established investment firm within this space, and what, which was the first one in search funds as a fund structure. I'm from Belgium, but I spent most of my time between Vancouver and Barcelona. Yeah, and tell us a little bit about Vanzio Capital's focus. It's unique in terms of the type of deals you're looking for and the type of investments you like to make. When we started Vanzio Capital back in 2017, my business partner, Christoph Kulings, he had just sold out of Delta Partners. He was one of the two founding partners of Delta Partners, which is a focus on PMD. And he actually carried that company from a strategic point of view. And so the first question that you asked when you set up a company, one of the first questions is, what is our value proposition? What makes us different? And from the start, Christoph had it clear that we wanted three things. You know, The first thing we wanted is to be of help to the search and CEO. Okay. Uh, that was important. And why was it important? Because also the second part, okay, we wanted to create outside return for our investors. And we believed in the search fund model. Over the medium to long term, you will not be able to have outside return unless you really make a difference for the person who creates all the value, which is actually the CEO. Those were some of the starting points. Now to do that, and that's where the difference comes in, we started recruiting, as a matter of speech, as our investors, people who had been CEOs, people who had indeed done that, not only search for a company, not only acquired and run a company, which had been very successful. So we wanted to be the firm that came actually from, from the search firm community. And so you will see that the first search outside the United States as a senior advisor to us, the first search in Germany, yes, the first search in many countries and, you know, are part of Vonzeo because, you know, those people are there not only to help us, but only to help the search. So that's what made us different from the start, I think. And the other thing I think would make us different is we were a little bit the opposite of what the, some of the American funds did. So the American funds, which invested internationally, did about a quarter you know, outside the United States and three quarters inside the United States with the flip side of that. We do about a quarter in the United States and three quarters outside the United States. And so our big blocks are North America, Latin, and Europe. And you've been involved in the search fund space a long time, on multiple levels, investing, academia, on the ground with searchers. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your perspective on the space because the space is evolving and some days it feels like it's evolving very quickly. And you've seen a lot over the last number of years. So I want to get your perspective on the space and the opportunity and then talk a little bit about where you see the space going. 
Sure. So if you just look at the data, you could actually see that from 1984 to let's call it about 2012, this space really flew under the radar screen. So any year, there's anything between a handful and 10 searches during, what is it, about you know, 25 years. And then it starts increasing all the way to 2017. And after 2017, you really get a big jump. Okay? And so internationally, as well as the United States. Okay? Now, in the big schemes of things, it's still then I think you talk about very give or take 150 searches worldwide, the entire globe. Okay? So relative, relatively, this is increasing a lot. You know, in absolute numbers, this is probably still a drop in the bucket. So that doesn't worry it's too much. If you look at the opportunity set of companies in most of the countries that that we invest in, they're there. You know, there's thousands of companies which have the size, which have kind of a little bit of dynamics, the characteristics and an industry that we like. And then, so we don't see that being an issue. We have an increasingly great amount of researchers who want to do that. And so I don't think the quality is lowering. In the country, maybe the standard deviation is a bit wider, which is what you expect. But the quality of the searches is there, the company is there, and what you see also now is more and more money is going into that space also, because without the money, there's nothing to acquire. So that is all going well, and so I think that still has a long way to go. Performance has been great so far, and that does not necessarily need to change because the opportunity set is there, the searches is there. What I think is the Achilles heel, and what we have to take very careful in mind, is board and board capacity and excellence at the board. And if there's one thing that keeps me awake at night, that's what it is. Okay, Because if you know the histories, numbers only tell you so much. If you go into the stories, into the histories, what you will find is that if you look at the really successes, if you understand and know the history about those successes, okay, an absolute majority. In the first three years, the wheels came off. So people have to understand this is a relatively massive space, which is disguised by the great numbers. If you look at those stories and if you look what happened, you will see that's often a great search with a great ethical backbone, okay, which was accompanied by great boards. And then together, they were able to correct the situation. So if you look at it, almost at all the 30 pluses, the 30x and up, you know, they all had events that would, could have been the end of it. And if they would not have had that board, if they would not have had the quality of that search, okay, we would not be start, talking about this anymore today. So if you look back forwards in my great crystal ball, which I wish I would have, but if you look back in the crystal ball, you can see that nothing has to change as long as we understand how the models works and what is needed to make the success keep on going. And I think it really is from the investor space. If you're going to invest in this space, and I think it's no different if you invest in the startup space. If you invest in young people, it comes with ethical responsibilities that you just don't write a check. You're not going to give a, a Ferrari at an 18-year-old who got his license yesterday kind of stuff. You need to have guidance and you need to have to prepare when the wheel comes off to correct that. And I think as long as we keep on doing that, I think the future can be as good as the past. The risk is, of course, there that a lot of money comes in based on performance rather than understanding like, whoa, when I um, dedicate myself to this space, this comes with those responsibilities. Now, I remember explaining, you know, I used to work at Goldman. I remember explaining the model to my partner at Goldman, which is now at KKR. And when I explained the model, he looked at me and he says, yeah, if, if I get it right, you guys write small checks and have to do a lot of work. You want to write big checks and have a lot, somebody else do the work. And this is not, a, there's nothing wrong with that, but this is another model. 
Okay, we cannot have other people doing the work. Why? Because the company is a little small. We cannot attract seasoned CEOs to run a $10 million company. And hence, the opportunity is there, okay? But we have to roll up our sleeves and we have to be helpful. And I hope that more and more people come into this space and dedicate themselves to this space. But we all have a responsibility to carry. And if we do that, I think the future is going to be great. Building on your statement in terms of where we're at and the growth of the space, you've seen the growth of the space in Canada. We've both kind of seen what's happened in Canada. To your point, I think you use the kind of timelines that suit well for Canada. I remember the space prior to 2016, 2017, and it was maybe one a year. Tell me about your thoughts about the Canadian space, what you've seen in terms of the growth and the evolution of the Canadian search fund space. You've been there pretty much from the beginning. What are your thoughts on what you're seeing? We really like Canada. Putting my investors hat on, we really like it. We get people who are really well prepared, who come from a meritocratic system, who understand the model, who don't do diligence about the model, and try to do well. And so the growth hasn't diluted the quality. Now, what we also have to say about Canada, and what you have to say on the space in general, there's a lot of things to say about it, but this is, first of all, this is a numbers game and a lot of sense of the word, okay? So if you look at the average person who does a search, they contact about 3,600 companies to find one company. So it's not that easy, and hence, no, in that sense, it's a number game. But it's also a number game in terms of scalability. If you look at a lot of the Canadian searches who have done well, there always has been, not in all cases, but in many, many cases, there has often been a U.S. angle to it. They either acquired in the United States, they either acquired a company which had a major part of its sales in the United States, or they acquired a company and then did a second acquisition, which gave them access to the United States. And if you look at the Dragon's End, that's often one of the questions they ask, like, oh, could we do that in the United States? Because you don't have to be a genius to see, like, no, the side of you, there's a market which is 10 times as big as you, so maybe you want to kind of sell there. And I think that's something to keep in the back of the mind, and that comes back to the numbers game. Like, if somebody wants to say, like, oh, I want to acquire a company in Calgary, and I don't want to fly too much, by definition, that is going to reduce the generation of value that you can achieve kind of stuff. And so I know that's another question that you ask, but that's why we have seen that young people in this game have often have done better than people who are 10 or 15 years older because of that hungriness and that willingness to move, because of that willingness to look for new kind of things. And so I think that has been part of the model kind of stuff. No, that doesn't mean that 40, 45 years cannot do well. There's actually a great example of that in the States who've done very well. But you need that willingness to indeed grow businesses and, and go where the market is. As one of your famous hockey players said, go where the puck is going to be, just don't stay where the puck is. No, and I think that's very true in our world. One of the things we've seen, uh, Jan, is the growth of the self-funded searcher in Canada. It's become, frankly, probably the space where we do more deals than even what we call the traditional search fund. And I think part of that has to do with the fact that it's obviously harder for Canadians to find the initial search fund capital, given we don't have as many of the sources of capital that the U.S. has. But wanted to get your perspective on how the self-funded search fund model fits into the kind of bigger picture. Obviously, it's got a lot of the same variants, but it is developing its own unique path, I seem to see, as it kind of starts to evolve more and more. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. And so as you see markets maturing, in the markets, you get different forms of products, you get different forms of services. And the same thing, as you point out correctly, you start seeing the search in the world with accelerators, entrepreneurs in residence, self-funded churches, and any kind of hybrid model. And I think that's a good thing. 
people have to find what is best for them. I get a little bit sensitive for people talking their own books or, you know, the search fund community trying to find to sell like that is the best format, the self funded search saying, oh, this is so fantastic. If that's your path, if you want to be an entrepreneurial acquirer, then you have to figure out what the best format is for you. And they all have great things and they all have things which are not, which are negative points and, and it depends on what works for you. I think for self-funded searches, if I would do, you know, I'm, in my, my number starts with the five, if I would do a search now, I would do self-funded search. I wouldn't want to have a board that explains me what to do. I wouldn't want to have, you know, take my suitcase and then go to the audience. No, no, I, I would like to buy great business, which I like and I can run, okay? And hence, since I would limit what I want to do, I want to do that myself. And, and that's what it comes to, you know, self-funded searches have far much more freedom. Now, that is if you can bring yourself funding into the absolute which means that you can fund your search and you can fund your acquisition. Then as long as the bank is willing to provide you with some extra finances, you kind of do what you want within the realms of the law. Now, what we often see, and I think that's something to take in the back of the mind, is that people finance their search, but then they need money from acquisition. And that makes it a little bit different. And what we often see is that those people come to the search fund community, the investment community, for money. And I don't think that's a good match. And the reason why this is not a good match is the following, like, you know, search, the, the self and the search and reasons as follows. Okay, and I think the reason is partly correct and saying, hey, I paid for the search myself. I found the company on my own dough. So now I want better terms than somebody who has been doing that on your money. And that kind of makes sense from that point of view. But for us, it's just the opposite way around. If we have financed somebody, we know that person for two years. And so when you make the assessment, if you're going to follow or not, you make an assessment of two things. Do we like this company in this industry? And do we think that this searcher can be a CEO? Now, since we know this searcher, that assessment is reason reasonably easy to make. If somebody comes out of the blue, we cannot make that second assessment. That is very different. If somebody has got a group of searchment community investors, and we can reach out to those people that we know very well that think like us saying, hey, you invested in Mario, you know, he's done a search, he comes to this company that we like. What do you think about Mario? We like Mario, he's ready to become CEO. That is very different. But with self-funded search, we don't have that. And so from our point of view, the risk becomes higher than when we would fill up an equity gap. And so that's what we see that there's not a lot of matching with serial investors and self-funded search. What is a far much more obvious place to fundraise is to go to family offices. Why? Because family offices often don't like to write small tickets of 500,000 and to be one of 15 investors. They often like to be the solo investor. And so you know a searcher, you come with a good company to them. That is a very different value proposition and they are often willing to give you a far much better stake. So in a nutshell, I think it's a great development. I think that sometimes they force too much themselves to the traditional search and investors, well, I think family offices are far much better a natural match for them. But I think it's good for the right people and the right deals. I uh, always ask our guests the crystal ball question, and I want to get your perspective on what you're seeing. Obviously, the deals that you and I work on in the kind of lower middle market, in the middle market, you know, what I've noticed the last couple of years is that the macro forces of the economy haven't really affected the search fund space that much. want to get your perspective on you're an active investor. You're out there. Have you seen deal opportunities slow down? Is your pipeline slowed down? I want to get your perspective on what you're seeing in the market from where you sit. 
And then also talk a bit about where you see the market going from where you sit. Yeah, sure. So you're totally right. You know, it has become more active. And actually, COVID has given you the first fillip. And I think what COVID did to a lot of people who had been postponing selling, companies kind of realized that life might be shorter than they think. They had people around them, you know, passing away. They also realized that life might be just more than working. And hence, we've seen a higher natural willingness to sell companies. And so when the searches connected on a proprietary deal, people were far much more ready to engage with them. And so I don't think that's going to go away. So that on the first side. The second one is the partly looming recession. Rather than recession, is kind of uncertain. You know, there has been a lot of uncertainty around in terms of increasing supply chain problem, the war in Ukraine, and what have you. And hence, what, you know, we've done some study like that. If you look at the top 17 best performing searchmen in the history of this space, 15 of them were bought in recession. So going into a contrary macroeconomical environment, which I think you know, we're partly in and we're heading to more of that, for researchment investor is a great environment because we actually look at the company when it's getting under the rain and under the snow and under the wind. Okay? And hence, it's better to assess how stable or strong this company is. So from that side, you know, we actually are looking forward uh, to that. A lot of our investors, as I said, more, a lot of our investors are people who come from this community, either as civil investors or indeed as, a, as certain CEOs. They understand it well and they see more positive today than they were six months or a year ago kind of stuff. And why is this? Because this is about the basics why this works. The basics why this works is about risk. Okay, And so what Earth and the early pioneers understood very well is to take somebody without any experience and then make him or her a CEO is a high risky value proposition. And as a consequence of that, you want the other pockets of risk, okay, which are related to the industry, like fragmentation of the industry, low cyclicality, low importance of the government or of the company, high bidamizers, growing sticky product. You want the other pocket of risk to be of low risk. And so if you do that, and if you keep on doing that, it's like you call it the three stooges, okay? If you keep on going to the basics of how you build a strong house, I think we will keep on doing well within this world, as long as we all, as I said before, are willing to do that. So what I think something that is often not said, you know, if you take an even more than a macro perspective, if you take a more bird's eye view, okay? And I think that's why everybody who's involved in this industry should take a pause of that. I think what we also do is we're taking young people and we're giving them a path to CEOship. And yes, that starts with a company with a million EBITDA, but it's like a career in top sport, you know, where you start at, at lower leagues. I think we're building, okay, for Canada and for the state and for the world, great leadership. Some of them are going to go on to be investors, but some of them are going to be on to be CEO of bigger and bigger companies and are going to set the tone about ethics and a value system, which I think you find in very few other environments than the search fund community. So I think if you look like what's in your silver and in your, in your crystal ball, I think also that what we'll see is like actually the search fund community was also a school to senior leadership and great companies. And I think as a community, I, I wouldn't be surprised in 20 years that more than the performances, you know, I think that's maybe what we're going to be most proud of that we'll have build up people who built and great companies and have gone on to show leadership and create jobs and show how business is done in a professional setting. Yeah, and I want to thank you for joining us. It's been great to hear your perspective and obviously to learn about Bonzio Capital and obviously 
given your history and the knowledge that you bring to the space, you know, thank you for all that you do for the space as one who lives in the space as well. Well, thanks, Mario. And if people want to know more about search and entrepreneur acquisition, as you know, I wrote a book about it, which might be of help to people. What's the title? What's the name of the book? So it's Search Funds and Entrepreneurial Acquisitions. Thank you for telling us a little bit more about you and about Bonzio, and, uh, and it, was, it was greatly appreciated. It was great to have you as a colleague and as a friend. Thanks a lot, Mario.